Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin and Matt Sherry in the studio. Uh, look, we're not going to lie, a bit late on this week's one because we were waiting for Matt to be down in London, obviously, and no other reasons of laziness or otherwise being distracted. So we're going to give you a little news hit today and then tomorrow we'll have a big preview show for you. Uh, we will obviously be hitting on the Patriots. I'm sure Matt Sherry has some opinions on that and plenty more beside. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello, welcome to the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin, Matt Sherry in the studio with me. Hello, Matthew. How are we doing? I'm very good, Willie. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, buddy. Not too bad at all. How, uh, you're back in London again. I'm Look always here now, mate. You're a mover and a shaker. That's what you are. Loads of moving, loads of shaking. Not much success. <laughs> oh, that's not what I want to hear. I want to hear that it's all success. It is actually all really exciting, but... There, is, there are so many things that we will, in the long term, tell you about what's going on with Gridiron, including some changes to the podcast uh, as well, which are, are going to be, hopefully, if it all comes off, genuinely brilliant and really exciting for everyone who's a fan, plus loads of cool stuff around the magazine, etc. as well. We've just got to sit on it and wait on it. But the book's gone now, at least, right? Yeah, so at least that's part just, of your... just literally met the publishers today, going through the first edits. So, yeah. Exci- were, there, were there many notes? Not really. Truthfully, I'm not just saying that. There, there really weren't. This isn't many. just braggadocious sherry coming out. No, you, it's uh... not. I mean, the, the facts are the facts. And and we should apologise now for the lack of NFL 100 shows the last few weeks. Um, every show that we were planning to produce will happen at some point. And it might be that we run them on into the off-season because it's good content in the off-season anyway. But just a lot of things are happening at the moment that just mean it keeps getting bunded down a list but all the audios there all the plans are in place we will do the shows that we intended to do and probably do some more which i think was the plan anyway to 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 extend it on now we've uh, got plenty of bits to to kind of cover off in the show that we can get to from from last weekend some games that are still worth talking about even though we're a fair few weeks removed few nice bits of news and stuff as well should we talk about the Patriots stuff right at the top just to get it out of the way? Because yep. uh, it's obviously something that I know has been frustrating you. It's been uh, an, an interesting old week because there are some people who will tell you that we should be taking this seriously because essentially it is cheating even if it's only accidental cheating. And there are plenty of people who I think sit very much on the sc- end of the scale that we are that are this. Before you get into it, I'll give you my position on it. I think that there should be some kind of punishment handed down for the fact that they didn't alert the Cincinnati Bengals to the fact that this was happening and they did illegally tape the sideline. You can blame it on a freelancer as much as you want, but it's your responsibility as the person employing that person to let them know what they can and can't do as they are representing your team. But the idea that they were taping a Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> sideline in order to gain more of an advantage against them next week, a team who have won one win all season, admittedly, the, the old, uh, the, the, the original uh, gate. Was it the first ever NFL gate, do we think? The, the... Um, yeah, it would have been the first gate. I mean, there was controversy. Yeah, obviously there was, but the first and... time we well, applied yeah, think, that ridiculous terminology. I think it was, to... yeah, and then you had Bounty Gate after it, that. I think it was the 4-12 and 12 Jets. So actually, you've got some priors to doing it to pretty Absolutely. rubbish teams. But I just, I don't know, it all feels like 
people who understand how these kind of documentaries are put together will understand that the guy was just that people are going well why was it eight minutes it's like because it's b-roll he's yeah. got nothing else to film and what you do when you've got nothing else to film you film something for cutaways and i bet about eight minutes they would have used four seconds yeah, in the final the edit so I, I like i can't let myself get too angry about it but you know i know that You've seen some absolute nonsense around this week. Yeah, I mean, so much nonsense. I mean, the the best theory, my favourite theory, is that the whole Do Your Job series, everyone that they've produced over the last 18 months, was all building to this moment. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the only explanation I've seen people say. But you've just played the Ravens, the Texans, yeah. and the Chiefs in recent weeks. And, and the reason that the normal film crew wasn't there is because they were in Kansas City for the game as well. Usually it would be the Patriots' own film crew. I mean, it is just an unfortunate misunderstanding that happens to surround a team with a with with a dark past on, on scandals um, and... You know, you can have your opinion on the original two scandals, and, and and I'm sure everybody does. But this is, this is completely different territory. Um, if they were trying to cheat, this would be their one shot. They're only going to produce one do your job series on the advanced scout. I don't think they would pick the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, it's just, you know, some of the reaction is just insane. And the other element is. First of all, if there was any value to these signals, which there isn't in the modern generation, and you were going to spy on the opposition doing it, the New England Patriots could afford to buy a ticket in the stands, sat directly <laughs> behind a coach, and get somebody to do it with a camera phone, which would be a much better view of the actual signals. I mean, the idea that they would purposely, and, and even like reasoned people, and I hate to name him, Ed Malian, who I know well, is like, oh, if anything, this is just more evidence that they've been doing it for 20 years. It isn't. There's no... It's just, I, 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 why would they do it? I, it? Who did I see really going off on one? There was somebody I saw on Twitter who was saying, I think it might have been Jeff Schwartz, who was saying that, isn't it funny watching people absolutely get apoplectic about this rather than accepting that this team for the last 18 years has outcoached, outthought, yeah, and, and just outrun a franchise compared to anyone else in the NFL. And I think you go over all of it, whether it is deflate gate, whether it is the original videotaping, you know, or everything to me is an indication of a team who know how important the finest of margins are and will push it all the way yeah. to the line but, and every now and then have stumbled across it. And when they do, they should be punished. But I just, I, A, I don't think this is one of those occasions. And B, I think that, you know, what were they going to gain from it, really? What, what, I, what, like, I, what I want to know is a separate question. Does it, does it taint a victory over the Bengals this week? <laughs> I, mean, if, uh... I, think it, I think any victory over the Bengals is tainted just by the fact that it's... Not something to celebrate. Um, I want to know as well, and, and, and I guess it's the Patriots, at what point was there so much moral fibre attached to the NFL? Because, you know, writing this book, the Auckland Raiders players from the 70s and 80s will tell you about the sign in the locker room that if you're not cheating, you're not trying. I mean, that's a, that's a celebrated team that went so far and beyond cheating and injured players and did lots of things. And it's really interesting to me the way... There are so many examples of teams who've done some pretty nefarious things over the history of the NFL who were celebrated. But with the periods, it's this absolute outrage. And and let's be honest, as I've said on the NFL 100 show, spoke to people for the book who've said to me that Spygate in the first place was was league-wide. The periods just got done for it because they refused to stop doing it, basically. I mean, the league warned them. And then... and. 
you know, I don't want to get into an argument over all of them because it's all a little bit ludicrous. But to even suggest that this is remotely similar to number one is is one of the biggest stretches in, in history. I mean, Bill Belichick is a lot of things to a lot of different people. He isn't stupid. And he certainly isn't stupid enough to have a guy in a Boston Bruins jumper video record the sidelines in some clandestine operation from a packed press box. Um, how are you feeling about the actual performance last weekend, about the loss to the Chiefs? I mean, I know we will get into officiating in a moment in general over the PI stuff because there is a, an interesting news story around that uh, that's emerged over the last day or so. But officiating obviously played a huge role on this game. We saw a couple of touchdowns wiped off the board, which would have affected how the ensuing plays would have gone. We saw uh, some just, I mean, I, to name all of the calls in this game that were wrong, particularly in the second half. Equally, you know, the old adage, you've got to play better than the ref's ref. And there were clearly problems on the field, whether it was drops, whether it was further communication issues. I feel like with the Patriots' offence, what it's been this season compared with other years is that the Patriots have always been brilliant. And we talk about this all the time of using the first four to six weeks of the season to figure out what their issues are and then play to their strengths. This season, it feels like across the offense, the receivers are worse, the line is worse, the running game is worse, the quarterback is worse, and so there's nowhere that they've been able to step up and cover for the other holes that have come up. I, I still feel like that defense is good enough that they can go and win games in January, but you know, increasingly, you've lost to the only three kind of playoff-worthy teams that you've played this season. Yeah, it's a concern. I mean, I, this game in particular really really didn't surprise me. I mean, I, I I think I made clear last week, I thought that the that the Chiefs were playing the Patriots at a really good time. I, they proved out in the game. Um, the offence is, I mean, it is a huge concern. The biggest concern in this game is how bad the offensive line was, which I think I thought would be better. Um, you know, Isaiah Wynn had a really tough time against Frank Clark watching the game back, and that's a concern because, you know, he's a very young left tackle. You know, one of the points on my checklist of what needs to happen for this offense to be good is him to be a really good player immediately now that's asking a lot of any young left tackle and, and I think that was a worry um I think the positive and the thing that Bill Belichick will take from this game is the heart that they showed and that's what you can always guarantee with New England it was it was a point I made about the Packers and Aaron Rodgers after the Niners game that there are too many of those losses for for Green Bay that, that just doesn't exist in New England they do go to the end Brady goes to the end and and I think that was a real positive. But, you know, right now, as proven in the three games, they are a decent way behind the other teams in the AFC. Now, the record doesn't say that they are, but they are. But that doesn't mean they will be in four or five weeks. And Mohamed Sanu is the key. He needs to get healthy. I mean, he had 10 catches in that Ravens game, hasn't been healthy since because of the, the ankle injury. If they can get a viable second pass catching option, um, they've got a chance. I mean, they've got a chance because I think we all agree that the defense was exceptional in the second half. I mean, a real bounce back from from the first half. I mean, that, even that harsh. Even the last two games where they've given up points on defense, they're giving up the odd massive forty yard, mm-hmm. thirty yard touchdown. It's not like you know it. They're still really hard to move the ball on down to down. Um, because of the where the zero blitz and things like that, they're going to give up the odd big play. I mean, it's just a function of of their style of aggressive defense. But I think there were some really good signs. But if their offense looks like it did in this game, come postseason, 
they won't be in the Super Bowl. As much as that said as well, it was a well-coached performance from a Chiefs defence that has certainly improved on where they were at yeah. this point last season. Spagnola doing a, a good job. A and, really, really good job. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the pass rush was good. They shut down the run game in the right areas. The, I, I thought that... They played the Patriots in exactly the right way. You know, they actually doubled Edelman, which other teams seem to have forgotten to do. Yeah. They just did everything you had to do in a game. They weren't too aggressive. And, I, you know, I thought they, they were impressive. And as much as the Chiefs have had some bad losses this year, you know, nothing quite as bad as we saw from the Texans against the Broncos this weekend, that it feels like all of those teams outside of those current top two seeds feel like they have those horrendous games in them, but also have a game where they can beat a world beater. Yeah, It's the consistency that, that, that people are looking for. And I think that's why I was impressed with the Ravens this past weekend, because it was a game where they only got 118 yards on the ground, which is basically half of what they've been achieving in any other game this season. It was a game where Lamar Jackson had a huge amount of his game taken away from him. thought the Bills' defence was absolutely superb in this game, and yet they did what they needed to grind out the win. And, you know, that's what sometimes you have to do come January when you come up against these teams who match up better to you than than the average defence do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the the whole AFC race is is getting really interesting and the Patriots are in that mix. Um, I, I still think the Chiefs, if their defence plays as well as it did against New England, they are tough to beat. Yeah. Like, really, really tough because... I mean, it's how it, I don't think Mahomes is completely healthy. Certainly, don't think he was in the second half of this game against New England, which might mitigate some of the praise of the defense. But they are hard, and you know, Spagnola is a is a very very good defensive coordinator and has been for a number of years. You know, and and got a lot of criticism early in the season, but you you forget how big a change that defensive scheme was from what they were doing last year. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I think there are three real real contenders in the AFC and and I do still put New England in that mix but it is I mean it is caveated with I think the offense needs to improve but I also kind of think that the defense would be good enough to win three games in a row I mean I just do I could see a scenario where the defense locks in for three weeks after a bye week um but yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be fascinating. Next week against the Bills is going to be a huge game as well. I still think Titans-Texans twice over the next three weeks is a fascinating one to watch out for as well. And let's not forget the, the Steelers' resurgent. You know, it's, it's an interesting AFC suddenly from where it was three or four weeks ago. Uh, just to focus on the, the game of the season from last weekend, yeah. uh, the 49ers 48-46 win over the New Orleans Saints, reminiscent of their uh, of their NFC Divisional Round game of yeah, 2012 with, with Alex Smith and the four lead changes in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, any of those, I really, I almost went back on the NFL UK Facebook page on Sunday night, Monday morning, just to say, sorry, all those people who shut me down for saying George Kittle was the best tight end in football going into the season, are you still telling me that Travis Kelsey or Zach Ertz is a better all-round tight end? The play he made on that, where he essentially said, have you seen or heard his interview with Peter King afterwards, where he said, I was glad he grabbed the face mask, I knew I was going to run for another 10 or 15 yards, and I was going to get another 15 yards on the end of it, and he was coming with me if he was going to keep holding on. Uh, I, I thought the play design was was excellent on not just that, but throughout the game, and it was really good fun watching Peyton and Shanahan go back and forth. And I guess what really stood out for me in a game that turned into a shootout where Drew Brees showed that he can still you know, win in those kind of games and was unlucky to be on a losing team is that Jimmy Garoppolo played really, really well. Like There were a couple of game management issues late on, which still, I think, could be a problem for the 49ers. But 
overall, I thought it was Garoppolo's best all-round performance and carried them to the to the win in the end. And I, I was impressed. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Garoppolo made the players when he needed to. I thought that the I still thought the game plan ran through their their running game, but that's the way it's going to be with a with a well, I said Mike, but Mike and Kyle Shanahan offense. Um, the interesting, I mean, I said last week I had the double on the 49ers plus three. And under 44 points, and both teams <laughs> individually scored more points than that. Uh, they'd scored, they'd, they'd cleared the over with about four minutes left of the second quarter. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. ridiculous. It was a joke. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think, and the, the injuries the Saints have suffered on the back of that game are killers. I mean, Davenport and Rankins out for the year. I think that is the end of their Super Bowl chances. I think if... Right now, the 49ers, to me, are a really clear favourite in the NFC. Like it still, it still comes down to Seattle Week Seventeen. Yeah, it does. That's that's. I think win win that, and you're looking at a, a home advantage all the way through to the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, you know, for a, a two loss team, assuming they get through the Rams and uh, uh, and this weekend against the Falcons, of course, no assumptions being made, but. Um, that's still the real key for me and still the one that I'm nervous and, and excited and look forward to. And, you know, we saw it from Sean Payton as much as we saw it uh, in the Seahawks-Rams game later that night. A well-schemed offence against a simple but talented defence can find ways to beat them. And the 49ers are as talented as a defence comes in the NFL right now. But Robert Salah's system is simple. It's... It's more complex than the one that he was involved in when he was in Seattle because he does run some more blitzes and he does run some more disguises, but nowhere near to the level of of the more complex defences in the league. And so Sean Payton found ways to pick it apart, particularly early on, and you think you'd hope the coaching and offence are are at a level where teams will be able to do that in the playoffs. Yeah, and and Salah needs to learn from that ultimately. You know, I I always get worried when I hear, and uh, it was written in the in the piece for Gridiron by Nick McGee when he put it together after having interviewed a couple of guys on that defence. I, I I read the line of, they're all excited to be playing fast in in Robert Sala's simple but easy defence. Simple but easy. <laughs> no, <laughs> Christ. Um, sim, sim, what was it? Well, something along those lines. Simple defence to play and their ability to play fast. And that always concerns me because simple invariably means that it's simple to play against in terms of being able to... To, to to plan your routes to to exploit the the inevitable holes in the coverage. So so I think they need to learn a lesson from that. And and you know Sean Payton isn't the only clever offensive mind that they're going to come up against. Um, but they are so talented. I mean, so so talented. And when that offense gets going, really really tough to beat. If that team gets ahead of you with those pass rushes, I, I think you're in big trouble against them. Um. The, just to mention that Sunday night game, uh, the Rams over the uh, over the Seahawks, twenty eight to twelve. From a Seattle perspective, just the six points on offense in the game. So obviously, Quandre Dix got the pick six and the other inception in the game, which I mean was essentially a punt. But you know, he's still continuing to show out as as a really really great pickup. I, I was you know, the Rams looking back to where the Rams were when they were close to their best last season, the offensive line playing well, the running game getting going, they beating a good team, I still think that they're probably going to miss out on the playoffs, sadly, because I think the Vikings beat the Packers and you probably get the Packers in the in the wild card and, and the Vikings winning the division when the two face off in Week 16 in Minnesota. No, that doesn't... I think the Packers have all the tiebreakers. Even if the Vikings win against yeah, them? Yeah, even if they... Because they beat them the first time. 
the, the Packers beat them the first time. I, I went through it last week. But even so, you need the Rams to beat the 49ers to win out and to also have the... I think the Packers still have to beat the Vikings because they need to get the game back on them. No, right? they don't. The, the, the Packers the Rams, beat... The Rams are a game back on them, though. Yeah, but... I'm, so they need the I'm, Vikings to lose a game Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm talking about the... The yeah, yeah, the and NFC the North. Yeah, yeah, yeah. NFC. but I'm saying for the Rams, it's too little, too late yeah, yeah. on the season. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, they could go ten and six and not make the playoffs this year. And Vic Fangio saying today, I, you know, I banged the table previously for the not seeding the uh, the division winners. Uh, he's banging the table for just not having divisions at all. He's saying you play the 15 teams from your conference every year on a home and away rotation, and then you play one natural opposition from the other conference so the Jets and the Giants play every year you don't want that you want the teams you play twice a year you want that that divisional thing to actually happen you might you might have the two best quarterbacks in the NFL in the one in the AFC one in the NFC and they'd never play each other if they didn't meet in a Super Bowl it's ridiculous yeah it it just is unworkable There's, there's nothing wrong with the schedule the only thing that is wrong and a division should get you in the playoffs, the only thing is wrong is that the, the, the six teams should be seeded by record. That's all they need to change, and the system is perfect. Uh, we've got Jets-Ravens tonight. Lamar Jackson with his quad. looks like he is going to be playing, despite being questionable all week. Uh, are we buying enough into the Jets' performance to come back against the Dolphins this past weekend that that maybe they shouldn't be considering taking it easy on him tonight? No, I mean, I wouldn't be playing Jackson if I was the Ravens. You've got a two-game lead now over the Patriots. You'll win the game most likely anyway. I mean, their defence is good enough to win them that game. Um, I would. I mean, maybe maybe you, you put him on the active roster so that if if it's tight in the fourth quarter, you can put him in. But for me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even contemplate starting him. But I guess they will probably think that quad injury, not the kind of one where it gets worse. I'm no, sure. You know, leg injuries to players who use their legs, obviously yeah. not a problem. I, uh, I think it's risky. I just wouldn't even contemplate playing them. I mean, RG3 is in this same mould, and we've yeah. talked about the comparisons between the early days of RG3's career. You, so you obviously run the same offence, just not as efficiently. I think yeah. that against the Jets, you feel like you've got enough to beat them anyway. So I do think that's a slightly bizarre decision, but by the time you're probably listening to this, that will have shown out either way uh, how that's going to show up. I was going to talk about those Saints defensive line injuries, but obviously you've covered that. So the last two topics are kind of league-wide stuff, and then we'll do a, a, a preview show coming up shortly for you coming out tomorrow. Um, the pass uh, interference review is going to be discussed in the 2019 offseason. They've already confirmed it. It's clear that they're officiating it differently now to how they were five or six weeks ago, even though after that call in the Miami uh, Jets game, they came out afterwards and said, nope, not doing anything differently. I think the tipping point was that, uh, was it in the Cowboys game? Yeah. In the early kickoffs. And then they literally, by the late window, gave two PI calls, including there was that Richard Sherman, which again, was PI, should have been overturned. Yeah. But suddenly they were overturning it and now have been overturning it pretty consistently. Yeah, and 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 I think that's better. I mean... I'm all for them doing it. I just don't understand why they're going, no, 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 nothing's changed. Yeah, just yeah, be honest about it. it. clearly has. I mean, the whole... I mean, we didn't talk about with the Patriots game, but I mean, gee, I can't talk about it. It was just so... That is the worst officiated game I've ever seen. Now, the Chiefs did have some bad calls against them as well. I'm not saying they never, but the the ones against the Patriots. I mean, you're talking two touchdowns wiped off the board where they eventually ended up getting three points. And then the pass interference at the end of the game, which I completely forgot about on Dorset, which was just so 
egregious. And when they've flagged everything else in the game, to not flag that, I mean, it was... That's the other thing in terms of the Patriots' performance. I have no doubt that they'd have won that game with competent officials. NFL head coaches wanted Sky Judge. They got given PI review. Yeah. I think we see Sky Judge, if not next season, by the season after. Well, they need to do something, don't they? I mean, the the, the system as it is isn't working. They've lost a lot of experienced referees. Um, too many of them, I mean, the, the decent ones, are on bloody television. That, that's that's the... the knock on potential Sky Judging is that you go, well, you've not got enough experienced officials to put enough on the field, let alone have ones up in a box as well. But I think that you you deal with the lack of experience by having that safety net there. I mean, it's not just experience, though. I mean... But you can get rid of challenges you, you, with it. You can get rid of... Like, you could simplify and streamline everything. Jerome Borger, I mean, soon as I saw that he was refereeing the game, you know you're going to have problems because he's terrible. I mean, how does he... It's not... And that isn't... That's an experienced official. I mean, outside of me loving the way he says five-yard penalty... I, <laughs> yeah. There's nothing, nothing to get excited about. It's just you know that you're in for a game where they will play too big a part. It's like when Mike Dean, official, is, is the ref in the Prem, although I've, I've now got a soft spot for Dean just after watching him in the Tramia playoffs in the stands, <laughs> one of the great videos. But, you know, it, it's one of those where you ultimately know the officials are going to be too heavily involved in the game and it's going to be frustrating and, and that's exactly what we saw. But, I mean, the calls in that game were just outrageous. I've, I've never seen... I mean, it. I can only assume that by then the league was tipped off about this Spygate scenario. I thought it was more than it was until we'll show you, because it was that bad. <laughs> uh, you're listening to the Gridiron Conspiracy Show. <laughs> Will, Gavin, Matt, Sherry, uh, letting you know exactly how this stuff breaks down. Uh, just to finish off with the last bit of news uh, from the week prior to this weekend's coming games, salary cap expected to increase by another $8 million, at least, to 2020, meaning it's had a 40% increase over what, the last five or six yeah. years. And it's no surprise to say it's a big one this year because they're clearly very close to a CBA. So yeah, there's a CBA coming. And by the way, the Cowboys still need to sign two of their best players to long-term deals. Yeah. And Jerry Jones holds a lot of chips and a lot of power in the NFL halls. I'm convinced that that's part of it. <laughs> While we're doing conspiracy theories, absolutely I believe. 9 did it happen or not? <laughs> uh, I mean, it happened. <laughs> no, of course it did. Uh, wow. Um, that's the whole point of the conspiracy, isn't it? Uh, you know, we're going to see old uh, Dacky Prescott getting $35 million a year over probably a seven or eight-year contract. Was it Mike Tannenbaum who said he was going to get $400 million over 10, over years. ten years? Yeah, that, That's the biggest conspiracy of all. And, and as much as um, the former Packers GM, Andrew Brandt, who we've had on the show and is excellent, sometimes can be a little bit estate the obvious on Twitter, I find, sometimes. And, and, and sells it like... It's the biggest thing ever that he said. And but, I do like Andrew. But Brown. I did think it was very funny when he quote tweeted that and said, uh, that's with $360 million in unguaranteed money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Thank you for listening. It's been our little news roundup, a little blast for you on a Thursday evening. We'll have our preview show coming up and Sherry and I are going to watch election coverage, drink ourselves into a stupor and record as many editions of the NFL 100 pod as we can cobble together for you to come out over the coming weeks. That should be a real treat for you. Who knows what the quality is going to be like. But in the meantime, as always, give us some love on Twitter, at Gridiron, on Instagram, at UK Gridiron. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, and uh, we, uh, we'll be letting you know tomorrow just how our night out with Jeff Reinbold goes tonight. That's if he turns up. Of course.
After a night out with Ollie Wilson. He has just messaged me saying where and when. I will be mortally offended if he goes out with Ollie Wilson on one night and then not with us the following night. Love you, Ollie. Uh, Thank you for listening. This has been The Gridiron Show. Four days like no other. A festival like no other. For a bookmaker like no other. Betfred. Get up to £40 in free bets when you sign up using promo code CHELT40 and stake £10 on any Cheltenham race. Betfred. At the heart of Cheltenham. 18 plus, new UK customers only. Available from March 6th to March 13th. £30 free bets credited within 10 hours of first bet settlement. Extra £10 free bets credited if first bet loses. Full terms at betfred.com slash promotions. Keep it fun. Begambleaware.org.